Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Hello and welcome to Countryside here on Manx Radio. I'm Simon Clark. And I'm Kiri Kermode. This week I caught up with Tim Johnston, the president of the Manx National Farmers Union, and I also took a walk with the friends of the Manx National Heritage around Ballacrink Mill in Santon. And despite the last 18 months of trouble here on the island and around the world, I popped along to Ballamore campsite in Balaf to speak to the proprietor, Stephen Curfee. Well, Kerry, things go nicely. Plenty to get in, so quick chat. Uh, just people out sowing fertiliser the other day I seen, and uh, just uh, the keen eye on them, aren't they? Just uh, rain tomorrow, maybe. I'll just get a <laughs> bit of fertiliser on, which you need to sort of melt the fertiliser into the ground. Yeah, lots of boys have been out in the tractors this uh, last few weeks, haven't they, getting the things done? But it's been terribly cold and the spring has been quite slow coming. But the uh, the colour around the countryside is coming on nicely and many of the cattle now will be outdoors. Uh, and this uh, past weekend has been lovely weather, so uh, a bit of sun on their backs will definitely help. They will indeed. Well, the Manx National Farmers Union has been a big part of the agricultural world here on the island, Kerry, and uh, you went and spoke to the president. Yes, Tim Johnson is always uh, full of knowledge and uh, from on-island and off-island, keeping an eye on prices and how the agricultural industry is going. And I caught up with Tim to see how it has been this last year and also about the Ian Paintant Bursary. Tim, to begin with, we'll start with a bit of an overview of of the Manx National Farmers Union. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, we're here there, we're here to sort of look after and uh, lobby on behalf of our members. The vast majority of farmers on the island are, are members of the union. So we're there to sort of be a voice for them, um, ask, ask the difficult questions that need asking to government, you know, working with government and with the department where, where necessary and, and generally be there, there as a voice for the industry. And I think um, politically as well, any issues, it's the politicians tend to look to us to see what, what the issues are and you know what, what the situation is to get a, a clear understanding of what, what the issues are. So that's, you know, that's what we do. And that is very supportive. You know, it's um, a strong voice when you've got good backing and the people within the Max National Farmers Union are farmers themselves. Yes, absolutely. And I think with that, Tim, with them being farmers, they understand the business. They're trying to run family businesses, family farms. And this Isle of Man does look very beautiful. It certainly does. I mean, you know, the landscape we've got, you know, we, we, we see every day. It's, it's generations of farmers. And I think, you know, over the COVID uh, situation, I think more and more people have really appreciated, got out more, seen what's there. And actually, at the end of the day, it, it, it hasn't happened by accident. It's, it's generations of, of farming families have created the, the landscape we've got. Yeah. And talking of this year, how has it been in the farming world? Well, it's been, you know, I think like everywhere, when the whole COVID situation kicked off, it was like, you know, major. What, what, what's it going to mean for us as an industry? What's it going to mean for the economy generally? Um, but, you know, we've muddled through as an industry. We've, we've listened to the advice. As a union, you know, we got, we got the message out there early to make sure that farmers had contingency plans in place to make sure that, you know, worst case scenarios, if, there were, if, if someone was struck down with, with COVID, that they had plans in place. So they're the sort of things we've done. And really, it's been about, you know, what's it, how's it going to affect our markets? It was just so much unknown, really. It really, really was. And you've touched on markets there, Tim. I believe now that um, beef and lamb farmers are receiving very good payments for their stocking. See across in the UK and in the local press, your prices are at an all-time high. What do you think is driving this? Yeah, well, again, you know, 12 months ago, real concern about what was going to happen. 
with demand and prices. So yeah, we're really pleased to see what's happening. I think it's a combination really. I think there has been a genuine um, f support for, for local, whether that's in the Isle of Man or also in the UK. That Buy British has been, I think, has, has been very effective. People are looking and sourcing local. And, and I think also with uh, Brexit as well, that, that's sort of had an effect on tr the traditional sort of trade, trade flows really. And a lot of production in other parts of the world have been diverted into, into bigger growing markets, say, in, in the Far East. So that, that's led to some shortages as well. So I think it's, it's been a combination of things, really, yeah. And I do, like you say, the support for local, as a farmer myself, uh, I've really, really witnessed it. Everyone is sort of on Facebook or all the farm shops. They have been getting used. The, the support has been out there. Where can we buy this? Where can we do this? Um, I think the pandemic has really reiterated how important local is. I think so, and you know, in, in all walks of life, really. I think that's, that's been, you know, if, if you can look at ex sort of where things have gone better after such a sort of difficult time, then I think, yeah, I think um, people are looking more local, like you say, and supporting more local and understanding a bit more about it, which is, which is really great. And how do you see the future? Obviously, we've had Brexit, the, all of the upheaval with that and the change. There's been lots and lots of change. How do you see future of agriculture sort of in five, ten years? If we can sort of maintain this sort of um, support for local, um, and we can maintain those that sort of those sort of prices. I think that there's there's a really good future for the for the industry. Um, that that's that's absolutely key. Um, and I think as the industry has got to and is appealing to a wider audience, and not just through food production. This is I think with the green economy as well, and and, and one of the things through climate change and potential um, movements into green energy. Um, certainly, as a, as a union, we're going to be we're starting to lobby hard on that. You know, we've started to do a lot of work on understanding you know the carbon footprint of agriculture, and 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 getting those measure, those measurables so we can really and I think we're, we're very confident that as, as an industry um, you've got to remember that farming is the only industry that actually sequesters carbon as well as, as emits it and we've got a tremendous opportunity as an industry to show what we can do to be part of the solution to climate change as well as, as well you know not, not part of the problem really yeah. so again yeah push on more for high quality food getting people to realize and support more local and, and as an industry doing more for the environment. Yeah. And I think that's going to be really key. And talking just on that there, the environment, uh, DEFRA has now brought out the new handbook. Uh, how are farmers receiving it? There's been a certain amount of concern. You know, um, any new scheme that comes in always does. You know, we're, we're trying to understand as well some of the implications. Um, we, we have been a bit disappointed with the way that the, the scheme has been, has been rolled out. There's been a lot of delay. And uncertainty and we're still not quite there yet um, and I think you know as a department they, they really do need to do a lot better on that um, and what we'll be doing and we'll be carrying on to do is trying to disseminate the, that information and, and, and understand it ourselves and make sure that we get our members up to date on what's going on and we'll be doing things over the next few weeks and months hopefully to sort of try and put some more clarity into it really yeah. And, and do you think, do you see it being beneficial? Well, I think so. I mean, you've got to remember that, you know, we're, we very much lobbied for, for change. Through this, we've actually managed to get that extra funding into the industry, the extra million pounds that's gone into, the, into this environmental scheme. So I think it's really important that we embrace that and, um, you know, see the opportunities from it. Um, and, and I think it's a good thing as an industry um, to be seen to be doing it as well. And I think it all feeds into that whole... Um, 
um, thing that you know people want to support the industry and see that we're doing the right things and and hopefully from that also you know support us more buying more from us so it, i think it's it makes us look i think it's, it's the right thing to be doing in, in the pre, in the current climate and the way things are going talking of support tim um the bursaries that the Manx National Farmers Union have to support young people is always really important. And one just recently, the Ian Payton Fund has been set up. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Mr Payton, he, he left a legacy to the, to the union um, to be used for educational purposes in agriculture and agricultural engineering, which is a really tremendous thing. Um, so really, it's, it's, it's a fund that's available f- for all ages um, you know anything related to agriculture, to say agricultural engineering. So if anyone's got any any uh, desires to d- develop an idea in the, in, in agriculture or t- or training, etc., I would urge them to come and speak to us um, and have a talk to us about it. Um, it's it's very hard to be really prescriptive about it. So I think what we're saying to people is, if you've got some ideas, for, um, it might be involving travel, uh, gathering information. Going, looking in other parts of the world, but I think the important thing is what we're looking for is is for people to come and share that with the industry, so that the industry benefits from it. And if we can see that, then I think it's something that we would be happy to either put a grant towards, or potentially some some loans as well. So as I say, if you've got any ideas, please please pick up the phone, speak to the union, and 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 come and have a chat to us about it. And it's not just for one individual. Oh no, no, absolutely no. I mean, you know, there's a fund available, so uh, we're looking for for as, as many people who are interested to come forward and, and talk to us, and we'll look at it on a on a case by case basis. That was Tim Johnson, the president of the Manx National Farmers Union. That's a wonderful um, thing they have there, isn't it? In reserve for you know for for mighty valuable use like it has been in the past. Yes, though bursary is an absolutely fantastic opportunity for anybody in agriculture uh, to go abroad, like Tim said, or even stay locally. But to do a topic or a subject you really wanted to do but maybe never had the finances to afford it and they're there willing to help out. uh, So do get involved if you've got any keen interest and uh, need a little bit of support. Yes, it's difficult. Uh, That's the first difficult step, the first hurdle, isn't it, in getting that initial uh, injection into it. Absolutely. Anyway, enough about injections. Uh, I went along to Ballamore campsite in Balaf, uh, where Stephen Curfee is in charge uh, there with his family land. And, well, I thought this time of year, what's been happening around the Isle of Man, I thought there might be one or two caravans there. But certainly not the case. Looks busy enough, Stephen. Yeah, it's uh, most weekends we have a lot of local people come down and support us outside of TT and Grand Prix week. Um, especially since the COVID outbreak, there's more and more coming of a weekend. Yeah. And bringing their families and and just supporting local businesses. Well, like you're looking around the site now. There's there's um, static caravans. There's motorhomes. There's some tents down there. Seems to be a bit of everything. Yeah, we we get a mixture of everything. We welcome everybody. We we get convo- converted horse boxes. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's like really weird when you see a horse box coming in and they open the back and they've got it all rigged out with beds and everything. And you, you wouldn't have time to get the fences up. <laughs> oh, that's in the next door field. That's the jump field. But it is one of them things. I mean, it must be. How how long are you into it now? My dad started it in centenary year two thousand and seven. And then I took the business over in 2013, and we just gradually built it from there, and we do a bit more every year. Now, you've been involved, like most of your family, in agriculture yeah. all your life. Uh, how much of a culture shock was it changing to this? 
not much of a culture shock because the people who come camping are, are outdoor people. Uh, you know, they want to be out in the countryside. They want to go for walks. They want to play. They want to. They want to be out in the countryside. So they're a very similar type of person. We're sitting here in a, under a nice veranda with uh, the sort of facilities behind us. Uh, you mentioned the toilets and showers over there, and such an important part of people when they're camping because some love it, don't they? Some, all right, well, let's try it. And first experiences can, I suppose, make them feel as though they want to chance it again. Well, when we built the shower blocks, we had one mission in mind. Uh, my attitude is, if I wouldn't use the showers myself, why would I expect my guests to use them? So they're proper power showers. They're cleaned every hour, every couple of hours. They are top of the range showers and toilets. Um, you know, people don't go camping in the field anymore. They want proper facilities. And what about the in behind us here? I see this tins of beans and pot noodles, the essentials for campers. Oh, the essentials <laughs> for camping. You know, beans, pot noodles, uh, porridge. Um, we we provide free tea and coffee for the guests. Uh, we ask for a small donation to our chosen charity. Um, this year it's the Joey Dunlop Foundation because they are struggling. Uh, in the past we've done dog charities, uh, we've raised enough money for an AED on site, um, there's microwaves, ovens, basically everything you need. Yeah, and just the smell when I was coming in here before, there was somebody buttering a nice piece of crunchy toast on the way in. They, they just, I suppose, are in and out, you know, they're not going to sit down for a massive big meal when you camp, and you're in and out, have a little snack, go for a walk. It, it's, it's really funny because they come I and mean, they use the campsite as a base and then they'll, they'll go to the pub, they'll go to the shop, they'll wander down to the wildlife park. You see families going off on the push bikes down the railway line to the wildlife park. And it's like, it's just like a family atmosphere. They uh, they all love it. And You're lucky, I suppose. You've, you've got all them facilities as well as a, a great campsite uh, all in the same area. Yeah. You've got the bus stop, you've got the post office, the shop, you know, the bus route. It's... Yeah. You, you can come, even backpackers can come and, you know, not too far from anywhere. And what about the, the views as well? When you look from behind us here, you know, the mountains, the great mountains on a lovely clear day, that must be an, a nice attraction, particularly for people who come from, from cities across. It's always amazing, especially TT week. You'll get people arrive on a late boat, sort of 10, 11 o'clock at night. It's pitch black. They'll pitch up. And then the next morning, sort of sunrise, half four, five o'clock up over the hills. And then they sat outside the tent and they're just in awe of the view. And it's like, we never see anything like this in the city. And we, we take it for granted and I take it for granted. I look at it every day. But the Manx countryside, I think, is as good as anywhere. And that's part of the remit, I suppose. And one of the bits, them, I suppose, there's people when the boats come in and certain holidays when when they're going again it touch wood <laughs> yeah it, it must be fairly difficult to i i sort of have to come backwards and forwards well i'm i'm 24/7 when it's busy like that uh, tt week i like to welcome everybody in see everybody out you're on site here all the time yeah yeah wow um no i know, i know who's on site then um we don't get strangers coming in and we, it's it's a lot of hard work i snooze when i can yeah but when it's busy, you, you just got to do it. You got to make hay while the sun shines. But you, me you mentioned about quite a few people here this weekend. I mean, how is 
how has it been? I mean, it's been tough for everyone. How have you managed here? Basically, last March, when the whole thing hit, it, it was a real big worry. Um, and we sat down, we re-evaluated the business, and we've cut costs everywhere, whatever we could do. But in hindsight, the, over the last year, I would say we've actually benefited, benefited from COVID. Really? Yeah. With us reviewing on how we've done our business and how we reduced costs, um, how we thought outside the box, we put other events on, you know, we encouraged locals to come down. We have a, the Astronomical Society come down to a star party. We're involved with the Manx Fell Runners. They have their events from here. We're involved with the Mountain Bike Club. They have they start their events here. Um, the motorcycle groups, we have an enduro started here. So All they, local groups? Yeah. So by encouraging them... We've actually, yes, our turnover was 40% down, but with reducing our costs so much, yes, it was a big impact, but we've, we've survived it. And going forward into next year and the year after, we're in, a, I think, a really good position. And what about interest so far this year? When in, when in May so far, obviously the, the TT isn't happening. Um, is there going to be anyone here then? Um, I think we've got a lot of bookings for... TT week, what should have been TT week from locals, and I think they've they were going to go on holiday anyway. Decided they they don't want to go across, and they're going to come here instead. And you know we're fairly busy for the whole week. Mm-hmm. And then moving on to when it would have been Grand Prix, we've got a lot of inquiries from the UK that you know that saying well, we've got a booking with you for Grand Prix. We're going to come over anyway if we can. Right. Even though there's no bike event on, they just love the island. They don't only just come for the biking event; they come for they come for the island as well. So a lot of them want to come as well. So once them borders open up, I think you could see quite an influx of visitors coming to the island. You got a local business here. You know, you a lot of work in yourself, and it's great that your outlook to it is very positive. I think you got to be positive. You know, you can't change the world at the moment. You just got to you got to bend and adapt to it. Um, and think outside the box and that's that's my attitude Stephen Curfee from the Ballamore campsite and if you want details about a stay www.ballamorecampsite.im or the telephone number 499394 and uh, well plenty of bookings in store which is great news Kerry isn't it with with, with you know the, what we've had so far in the last sort of 12 months and 18 months and uh, plenty of people want to get it there a lovely lovely view like we were talking about it's a fantastic campsite isn't it it's really really well kept but like you say local people are looking for lots of local things to do now that you know, travel is maybe uh, put on hold but why not get a bunch of friends and go and have a stay over and you know set up a tent i've not i've not been camping for years but why not isn't it the opportunities are here oh well i shall uh, i shall erect me pole and get ready for you You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Well, of course, Sunday afternoons, Phil Gorn and myself do Gullis Gaggan, which is full of the Manx culture and Manx heritage. And uh, you were talking about a little bit of Manx national heritage. 
Absolutely. The Friends of Manx National Heritage had one of their first open days at uh, Ballacrink Mill there in Santon, just down by Port Grenock. A lovely, lovely garden kept by Kit and Nicola Pemberton. I popped along and I caught Nicola while she was busy serving tea and cakes to find out what it was all about. Well, Nicola, you couldn't have picked a nicer day for have everybody in your garden. What is this special event? Oh, thank you so much. No, it's, it really is a beautiful day compared with yesterday oh, when it was wind and rain. Well, it's been a very strange year this year for all charities. And so thinking out of the box, we decided to open our garden and uh, let, let members of Friends of Manx National Heritage in. People are here, here by the droves. Obviously, it has been, like you say, a peculiar year and people are looking for things to do. But a lot of work has gone into this garden, Nicola. It's not just done in a month or two. No, it's taken 35 years, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> and just yourself. No, no, no. I, I've got, I've got a, a wonderful husband who, who's, he's, he calls himself the um, slasher and basher. <laughs> and then I've, I have got other people that do, do help as well. But um, no, I, I do the, mo- the majority of it because I really enjoy it. Yeah. And I see there's a plant stand here for people to actually purchase and, and go home with such beautiful, oh, well, beautiful bushes and flowers from your garden. What do you particularly like? It's very colourful. Well, we've got um, someone owns the bees that actually live in the garden. And so everything is predominantly wildflowers. And those are the the things that I really enjoy and have learnt a lot about. So uh, I suppose uh, salsify, ragged robin, that sort of thing. And I did see some huge big rhododendrons in the back there too. Yes, they've popped today, literally, over the weekend. (laughs) Thank you. Somebody up there has has brought a bit of colour because actually it was being so cold. You know, it, it's actually been a tricky time trying to get the garden ready. And touching on the spring, it really has been very cold in the mornings, the frost, and oh, it, it was bitterly, bitterly How does the plant survive through that kind of weather? Uh, some haven't, but others are used to it. So, no, 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 it's, it's, it's been, been a trial, but it's well worth it to see everybody here today, and it's just been a glorious day. It really has. And we are here at Ballacrink Mill in the bottom of what, Port Grenick yeah. Valley, would we call yeah, it? Yeah. Absolutely, and really, it's all about Friends of Manx National Heritage and the members coming and having a lovely day out and just enjoying the sunshine, and uh, we're so thrilled that so many people turned up. And how do we get involved, Nicola? Because, obviously, people love to get out in the great outdoors, especially with maybe being stuck on the island at the moment it is always nice to join local things or even find out about them yes absolutely well the best thing to do is to go onto our website which is www.friendsofmnh.org and uh, there you'll find out all about joining and you can then use your membership to go around all the sites on the island and further afield across as well and always a good manx tradition is tea and cake nicola and i see there's lots of tea and cake being had Yes, we've had fantastic volunteers who've all been kind enough to to make cakes for us. And the day wouldn't have happened, or the two days wouldn't have happened, without all the volunteers who've helped man the stalls, do the plant stall, do the cake stall and make cakes. So they've, they've been wonderful. And they're very, very welcoming as well and full of knowledge about the Isle of Man and other events that you're having. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're going to now hopefully... Lockdown is behind us. We can get on and start thinking up new events for all the members to enjoy. Thank you. That was Nicola Pemberton from Ballacrink Mill, uh, Friends of the Manx National Heritage. What a lovely, lovely garden they've got and so many people.
Yes, and it's great that um, the people want to get involved with the with the preservation and the love of the Manx countryside, isn't it? It's so important to keep these things going. And like Nicola mentioned there, to become a member and go and see lots of other hidden gems around the Isle of Man. Uh, their garden alone was just full of beauty, but also some of the modern technology and the little automatic mowers going around. A new polytunnel there uh, come from Shetland Islands, uh, really, really robust and can stand up to 140 mile an hour winds. But these are little things that we can learn and get tips from from an organisation like the Friends of Manx National Heritage um, and have them established in our own gardens. It is indeed. Great stuff. That's all we've got time for on this week's programme. Don't forget the podcast at Manx Radio's website if you missed part of the programme. And we'll be back next Tuesday with more. So from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Kermode. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.